Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us on this Monday morning for the latest edition of the Frarie and Smith podcast. August is just a day away in Sunbelt football. It's right around the corner. We'll get to today's episode in just a moment. But before we do, we wanted you to remind you to go back and listen to our Sunbelt Media Days recap episode that we released on Friday. Kate and I spoke with some of the Sunbelt's biggest stars, including Grayson McCall, Carter Bradley, Owen Porter, and many others on that episode. If you haven't already, make sure to go give it a listen. Today on episode 95 of the show, we're excited to begin our season preview series with the Troy Trojans and head coach John Summerall. The Trojans went 5-7 and seven in 2021 and then improved to 12-2 and two in 2022, including a conference championship and a bowl victory to finish the season in the top 25. Caden Troy was by far one of the biggest surprises last season. This year, they will enter on an 11-game winning streak amongst the longest in Division I currently. They've got a large portion of that offense, and their defense will once again be stout. But it's different, Caden, playing with a target on your back. It definitely is, and I think that's a huge theme of media days in this conversation of people that people will hear with Coach Summerall is they're now it's the kind of the hunted versus being hunting kind of thing. I think that this team does have a target on his back. It's going to be a little bit different of a feel. But just from talking to Coach Summerall, he's one of the guys that gets me very fired up about this season and this Troy team just in general. And I think he has his guys in the right mindset as far as how they need to handle business, even if it's going to be a little bit different than last year. I'm very confident as far as him getting his guys ready, kind of from the neck up as far as how to handle being a defending champion and kind of carrying yourself throughout the season at that championship level. So I'm excited for these guys. And as far as them having the target on their back or not, I think they're going to still have that chip on their shoulder that they had last season. Well, as we promised, we're talking the Troy Trojans. The man John Summerall is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Summerall. Well, really excited to have Coach John Summerall on the podcast for the second time. Coach, uh, great to have you on today. I appreciate y'all having me. Always uh, fun to join y'all. Well, Coach, it's uh, it's been a busy summer for you. You and your staff, you guys have been running camps, recruiting like crazy. Plus, you've been you know trying to get this team ready for another title run. I even saw you squeezed in time at the beach. How was the summer for John Summerall? Yeah, summer's been good. Uh, you know, the first part, June, has really turned into an active camp. And, and recruiting period, and then also getting around our team as much as possible, um, spending time with our guys, um, just building relationships with our, our current team. And, um, you know, it goes dead at the end of June, and me and my wife, uh, we, we go to the beach every year for a little over a week and, and kind of unplug. Uh, and one of the perks of being in Troy is we're about two hours from Destin and Panama City, which has got – beautiful beaches and about as clear a water as you're going to find um, in the United States. Uh, so um, we're, we're very fortunate to be a short drive there and spent, spent some time there. I actually went back down last weekend to get one last uh, getaway in before, um, before shutting it down. So um, they uh, have, have, have had fun, have had really enjoyed, the family time, watch my son play some baseball, watch my daughter do some swim meets, um, but ready to go back to, to, the, to the football side of things here and get back around our team and, and build what we're trying to do this year. 
Definitely sounds like a successful offseason coach. Appreciate you joining us again on the podcast. In any sport at any level, competing and repeating as a champion is hard to do. You hear guys like Coach Smart at Georgia talking about having to fight complacency. What's been the message for the team this offseason regarding getting back to that conference championship stage? Yeah, uh, I listened to Kirby's talk and really it, it sounded very similar to some things I said to our team about um, complacency and staving off maybe resting on what has already happened or looking back, you know. Um, I was pretty much over the championship run about January 4th. Like, I kind of was tired of talking about it pretty quickly. And so we've been hard at work. Um, I haven't, you know, people bring up repeating or defending, and I don't really feed in or buy into that concept because I view this team so independent from last year's team it's got nothing to do with last year's team. And what I've really challenged our guys and pushed our guys on is um, just growing and evolving and pushing yourself to be your best every single day. And if you'll push towards your best every day, then when you get moments when your best is required, it's all you know. Like, you don't have to think about how do I become my best all of a sudden. I've been pushing myself to be my best every minute of every day that's led up to whatever moment you end up in. And, you know, um, we all have goals. We all have aspirations. We all, yeah, we want to be champions. Yeah, we want to go to bowl games. But those things don't happen by just purely wanting them or looking at them. Um, In our program, we talk a lot about be where your feet are. And, you know, if you live in the past, you can either become complacent or you can live in regret if you didn't get what you want. If you live in the future, you can maybe become too hopeful or maybe even create anxiety about what is to come. Uh, and, and so we really push our guys in our program to just be in the moment. Be where your feet are. Don't get out in front of your skis. Control what's, what, what's right in front of you. Um, and then let the scoreboard and the results uh, fall where they may. Um, you know, I can live with outcomes. Um if we have done everything we can do to be our best, I don't really worry about the outcome. The outcome will handle itself. Um, and I do believe, while I say all that, I do believe we're personally responsible for our own outcomes. If we if we pursue our daily best, the outcome will handle itself, and we'll be, res- we'll be responsible for those outcomes and be able to own those outcomes and, and not worry about what could have been or should have been. Yeah, coach, I feel like that's a great message, not only for football, uh, you know, but for life. I think about, you know, me and my personal life. You find a lot of joy when you can live in that in that present moment. Um, you know, coach, we've got to ask about Gunnar Watson. Last time we saw him, he was hoisting that championship belt over his head. Uh, we've heard a lot of good things about his spring and summer camp. Uh, where have you seen him grow the most this offseason? Man, uh, he has grown in every area of his life. Um you know, when I got the job here at Troy in December of 2021, and then I kind of got my feet on the ground full-time in January of 22 after our bowl game at Kentucky, um, after we played in the Citrus Bowl, uh, I, I thought Gunner needed to mature a lot just from his habits um, and just daily rhythms. Um, and I thought he did at times last offseason – um, show some growth and show um, some some real maturity. 
But where Gunner has really been fun to watch this year, he's committed himself to going to a different level um, uh, in his own personal development, but also in his leadership. Um, you know, Gunner a week ago in our GPS systems ran uh, almost 20 miles an hour. All right. And I don't know how much you'd know about those systems. Nobody's going to confuse him with DK Metcalf running 20 miles an hour. But uh, I think we could ask him to use his feet a touch more. And I'm not saying we're going to turn into a triple option team all of a sudden and run the ball with him every play. But he's improved his diet, his weight room work habits, his conditioning, his speed has improved. Um, because he's committed himself to the details of his own individual development. And the other area where Gunner has really made strides is as a team leader. You know, our offense um, in twenty in the 22 team, we, we really asked them in certain scenarios to manage the game, and, and we leaned heavily into our defense. We know this year's recipe for success may look a little different, and our offense through the spring – man, for the first seven or eight practices, got the better end of the stick on our defense, to be very honest with you. And about practice nine, um, the offense came out the first portion of practice and did not perform up to its standard. And as we transitioned into a, from one period to another, Gunner called up the entire offense and, man, laid into them and let them have it and kind of, like, reinforced, hey, this isn't how we're going to go about our day. And so to see him make those strides and that growth has really been rewarding and fulfilling um, because uh, I've, you've seen him become a man. You know, and, and our definition of our program, a man is someone who's accountable for their actions. And you've seen him own his actions. You've seen him lead others. And I'm so proud of just the development he's made. Um, and you know, uh, that happens when you get exposed to a Jarrett Daigie last year who's played at a high level. And then we brought in Goose Crowder, who's going to challenge him and push him daily because Goose is a really good football player. And we got good young guys in that room, too, uh, in Tucker Kilcrease, Jamison Holcomb, J.D. Sherrod. We've got some good young quarterbacks in the roster. And so Gunner's growth has been real and, and very exciting to see. Gunnar Watson is a dual threat quarterback somewhat is definitely an exciting possibility for that offense. But staying on the offense, you lose some key pieces on the pieces on the offensive line and at that wide receiver room. Given the gains and losses on this offseason on that side of the ball, what are your expectations for the offense and maybe some guys that are capable of replacing some of that production you lost? Yeah, we do. We did lose Rajay Johnson and uh, Tez Johnson at receiver, which are big losses, our two leading receivers. Jabri Barber was our leading receiver through four games last year above Rajay and Tez and got hurt in the fifth game and was out for the rest of the year. So Jabri will be back, which we're very excited about. Um, Peyton Higgins and, and MJ Johnson are uh, also playing that slot position that Jabri plays, and I'm excited about the growth they've made. Um, at our other uh, receiver spots, uh, Deshaun Stoudemire, he had a really big conference championship game. Um, and then he's he's got Devontae Ross paired with him. Devontae is a young man we signed at Kentucky when I was there, um, and, and we've got him at Troy now. Devontae, I think, is primed and ready to take another step. And then our X position where we lost Rajay, and we got Marcus Rogers, who was having a good year as well and got hurt about the same time as Jabri. 
Marcus is 6'4", about 215 pounds, and can run, run. Like, he's got real top-end speed. Um, and then by, with him, uh, Landon Parker, a transfer we brought in from Wofford that was recruited by a lot of the Sunbelt schools. Landon's got elite ball skills, and every practice in the spring, he made a couple catches every day that everybody was like, whoa, like everybody, hang on, did he just make that catch? And then behind that, you got Chris Lewis, who uh, was at Kentucky with us. And Chris is a six foot five, 215-pound dude who's big and can go win the 50-50 ball in the air. And there's a handful of other guys I'm not mentioning that I think can play. And so those are just the top seven or eight. Um, in the past game that I think our tight ends, uh, Clayton Allendike, DeAncre Lewis, and Ethan Connor. Ethan's a new player from East Mississippi who really played a lot of receiver there. Uh, Ethan got to Troy, was about 214 pounds in January, and he's 235 right now. He's put on a lot of good weight. Uh, our coach Witt, our head strength coach, does a phenomenal job of building our guys and um, Ethan's added good weight. And our running backs are going to catch balls out of the backfield as well. So I think we've got guys in place to take up some of that production. There is some unknowns there. Um, but I know this, we were more explosive offensively through the spring, this past spring, than we were uh, my first year here. My first year here, man, there wasn't a day that went by a spring where the defense won the day. This past spring, it was a lot more give and take and back and forth, which is fun to see. Well, it certainly sounds like you feel pretty confident in uh, some of those wide receivers coming back. Uh, let's talk Joe Craddock. He's entering his second season as offensive coordinator. Uh, what have your conversations been like with him in regards to making this offense more consistent week in and week out this year? Yeah, you know, I think Joe recognizes where we maybe fell short at times last year. And um, Joe and I are on the same page. I have a lot of respect for Joe. I've, I coached against Joe twice when he was in Arkansas. Um, I was at Old Miss in 18. We played Arkansas. I was at Kentucky in 19. And so I've seen Joe coordinate um, and gone against him. And um, I think last year, uh, kind of like I referenced early, earlier on, um, we played the game in a manner that we felt like gave that team the best chance to win. Um, you know, uh, the, the year before, offensively, um, Troy was struggling to maybe find an identity. Um, at times. And so we knew what our identity was last year. We didn't make it about scoring points as much as playing complimentary football. And, you know, sometimes we, we played phone booth football. We wanted to turn the game into a rock fight at times because we felt like that's what fit last year's team. This year's team, I think, is different. And uh, Joe and I have sat down and as well as the offensive staff, I think you're going to see more open sets at times. Um, I think you're going to see maybe a little bit faster paced game at times, maybe a little bit more tempo. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to turn into an air raid offense all of a sudden, or we're going to go no huddle every play the whole game. But I think we're going to be more multiple. And year two from year one, you can be. You know, last year we, we were trying to build a foundation. Uh, and in game one of last year, man, we couldn't function as an offense. We couldn't, we played Ole Miss. And it was a train wreck half the time trying to get from the huddle to the line of scrimmage. When we did call a tempo play, get, getting it run. And then you looked at the end of the year at times, the second half against Arkansas State or the championship game against Coastal, you saw our, our offense kind of gain some of that confidence. And Joe, as a play caller, have confidence in how we were doing some things. 
we are going to be different. You know, I think it's important that you evolve every year. And if you stay the same, you're going to get past. Um, you have to continue to adapt and reassess how to improve in certain areas. And offensively, I'm excited to see the growth and the steps we take forward. Switching sides of the ball, coach, but staying on the coaching staff. I played for Greg Gasparato at App State. He was my safeties coach for a little bit. A great guy, a knowledgeable guy that I think meshes really well with that defensive culture y'all have built down there. What made him stand out in the hiring process, and how has he meshed with that defense so far this offseason? Yeah, Gas is awesome, man. He um, So uh, 2020, February or March maybe, uh, our defensive staff had gone down to um, Baylor to visit with Dave Aranda and that staff. And uh, and Gas was at Army at the time as the co-DC with Nate Woody. And Sheil Wood was the linebackers coach, and Gas was the co-DC and safeties coach. Um, Gas left to go to Louisville, and then Sheil became the co-DC uh, after Gas was. And so they've Gas and Chill have been around familiar, similar systems, and they've worked together before. Um, Gas's exposure to the systems we've run and the similarities is a really natural, easy fit. Um, and uh, so really thrilled with what, what Greg's bringing to Troy. Um, he understands what our defensive culture is about. He fits in perfectly. He understands my vision. Um, I was blown away. Gas talked at that clinic down at uh, Baylor that year in 2020. And I remember being in the back of the room and me and Brad White, who's the D.C. Kentucky, and Greg Minuski, who was our analyst at Kentucky at the time. Minuski is now uh, with the Denver Broncos as their linebackers coach. We were sitting there listening to Gas, and I'm like nudging Brad going, this guy's pretty good. Like, this is legit. And so, um, you know, I, I make notes on people when I watch them coach or watch them teach or watch them present. And gas I've made note of that day is like, this guy's, this guy's really good. And so, love what he's about. He's got a great demeanor with our players. He's a good teacher. He's a great recruiter. He is just a fantastic fit at Troy and could not be more fired up to have him leading our defense. Yeah, certainly excited, uh, you know, about what he'll do this year. I know Caden's told me a lot about his time with him at App. Uh, Coach, uh, I don't know if you've listened to the Prairie and Smith podcast this offseason, but we've spent a lot of time talking about your team's defense, particularly in the trenches. Uh, you've got a three-headed monster up there with TJ Jackson, Japon Solomon, and, and Juvenar. Uh, it has the potential to be one of the most disruptive groups in, you know, in the country at the line of scrimmage. What type of season do you think we're going to see from that pairing? Yeah, I think that group has got a chance to be a, a really good, productive unit. Um, you know, you name three guys I think a lot of people know, but Buddha Jones, who's our starting nose, is a force. Lewis Medina, who's a starting level nose in our conference, in my mind, um, only played the first three games last year and broke his foot against Apps, so didn't play most of the year. Lewis has had a tremendous summer. Um Raymond Cutts, who led all of junior college football in sacks last year at Garden City, is playing field in for us. Um, Zach Edwards transferred from Louisville, who's had a good summer and is a big athletic guy, is having a good summer. I'm excited about what he's going to bring to the table. You know, we're going to move Javon around a little bit more than we did last year. Last year, 
he played mainly banded. We're going to put him to the field end spot at times this year where TJ played, flip TJ maybe to the boundary some, move those pieces around a little bit more to see how many different places can we put guys to put stress on the offensive lines. And, um, you know, I, I think we have a chance. You always, the physicality of the game, I hope we can stay healthy there. Uh, but I, I like what we've got there. I like what those guys present. Um, they've got to make their mindset day, mindset up day in, day out, that we're going to be a tough unit. It starts in the line of scrimmage. And uh, those guys are talented. You know, we're going to test them this training camp to make sure that they're ready to play the game the way it's meant to be played at a high level. But I have a strong belief in what those guys can accomplish and achieve. And what's exciting to me is the three names you mentioned, we all know. I think there's four or five that people aren't really talking about that can elevate the play of that room as well. A.J. Pierce is a is a nose for us who's a, a, a got, got a chance to be a good player again this year coming back for his last year of eligibility. So I'm just ju- uh, Juju Pittman. He's, he's had a great uh, summer. So there's a number of guys that D-line that, you know, that aren't maybe the ones being talked about in the preseason stuff that I think are going to be good players too. Coach, as a former defensive player with all those opportunities and the games you could probably do up front on third downs and things like that with that personnel, definitely an exciting team to watch for sure on third down, getting after the quarterback. But Coach, you lost a lot of leadership this offseason. You think of guys like Carlton Marshall, Austin Stidham, KJ Robertson, just to name a few names of that giant senior class you had. With those guys gone, who have you seen step up in some of those leadership roles maybe this offseason? Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you lose, um, the significant leaders that we lost off of last year is something that you have to address. And losing the Carlton Marshalls uh, of of last year's team, Craig Slocum, those are big losses, Um, not just from on-the-field production, but just from how they do things day in, day out. Um, But I've seen guys step up, Javon Solomon, Richard Jubinor, Buda, Lewis, A.J., those guys up front, inside linebacker, Jordan Stringer and Terry Thomas, you know, they, they were Carlton and KJ's understudies the last couple of years. And and then um, Jordan really is probably as big of a vocal leader as we've had on our team since I've been there, Jordan Stringer. And both those guys, when Carlton missed a couple games last year, he didn't play in the app game, he didn't play in the Louisiana Monroe game, he didn't play uh, but about the first half of the Arkansas State game, those guys have been exposed to playing and having to be verbal and vocal. Del Pettis at safety and Keyshawn Swanson are good leaders that understand how we want things done uh, in our locker room. And then um, uh, O'Shea Fletcher and, and Reddy Stewart, who will be at media days. Reddy will be down there with me tomorrow. Um, excited about those guys. They they set the tone. Um, but we talk a lot in our program about leading yourself first. That's the, we, we talk about four levels of leadership. The first one is lead yourself. You know, to, to just do the basic daily things. You know, your thoughts lead to your actions. Your actions lead to your habits. Your habits lead to your character. Well, do those things and lead yourself in those areas and good things happen. And then as you learn how to do that, influence others, lead others, then develop others to be leaders. And uh, maybe my most fun moment this summer has been watching our player-led practices a couple of times and I, you know, I'm allowed to run the practice if I want, but I like to go sit up in the bleachers and watch them lead it and to watch them 
lead lead others, then develop others into leaders. And seeing guys grow in that area is about as a rewarding of, a, of an experience as you can have as a coach. I mean, the, the the wins and losses are a big deal, and we care about that obviously. But seeing people grow, man, that that's why you do what you do. And watching our guys grow is as men and as leaders and uh, helping themselves develop as people is, is really been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's neat to hear. I know Caden talks a lot about, you know, leadership on his teams and that player-led leadership. So it's neat to hear that that's, uh, you know, developing inside your program. Uh, Coach, when I look at the recruiting class you guys just brought in, you and your staff, you guys have been busy. 37 new additions. You bring in a lot of freshmen, some college and junior college guys as well. Give us a couple of new faces, maybe on offense and defense, that you expect to make just a real impact this season uh, that maybe fans haven't heard of. Yeah, you know, it's hard to know on some of the guys that just got here this summer. Um, so it's a little premature maybe on them. Guys that are new that went through the spring, like I mentioned earlier, Landon Parker and, um, and, and uh, Chris Lewis at receiver. Had, had good springs. Chris has looked even better through the summer, but Landon made a lot of really contested catches in spring ball and has been very impressive through summer workouts. Um, MJ Johnson, a slot receiver, a young man from Enterprise, I think uh, is going to play as a true freshman and have a real role. Asa Martin at running back. You know, everybody knows Kamani. Asa started out his college career at Auburn. Asa's uh, had a really good spring and good summer. Um, on defense, like I mentioned, Raymond Cutts, Zach Edwards are new that, that I think have a chance to play at a high level. Um, Steven Catledge on defense. Another one on offense I didn't mention is Ethan Connor at tight end. Um, on defense, two that we added this summer that are transfer portal guys. Um, man, Don Callis from East Central Oklahoma, who's a dynamic player. And then Hershad Davis, uh, who came to us by way of um, by way of Alabama State, he was an FCS All-American. Um, you know, he's really instinctive and extremely vocal. Um, all those guys, man, there's so many guys that I'm excited about right now. That, that, And that's part of what makes this team very intriguing. You know, last year there wasn't a whole lot of new players. I mean, Rajay was new, but they're really – it was kind of the same roster to some extent as the year before. This is a very different team, which can be a little – some of that uncertainty can be a little uh, scary, but it's also a lot of fun because you get to see guys step up and um, find their way to have their role and make make their role and grow as players. And, um, you know, a guy I didn't even mention that missed a lot of time last year that's back at full strength on our team that's not a newcomer, but and Caleb Ransall, I didn't mention earlier, D.B., He's got a chance to be as good of a player on our defense as there is. I mean, and and really was missed about a month of last season. I think Ransall could be uh, an all-conference player, and nobody knows his name right now. Um, it was on our team last year, so I'm 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 ex- really ecstatic about just some of these guys that nobody know knows them. I mean, I think we got some guys that. Most people don't know who they are. They could be really, really good football players. Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate that. Our listeners, they're going to know them uh, after this conversation. I feel like that was the most complete roster breakdown we have ever gotten on the Ferry and Smith podcast. So, Coach, thank you so much for hey. your time, and uh, we we always enjoy having you on. Yeah. Hey, Eli, Eli Russ, our starting center from Oklahoma State, he's going to be a really good player, too. I mean, 
I, I didn't even go to our O-line. I mean, our O-line, I, I'm excited about them. We're deeper on the O-line than we were last year. We don't have J.K. Andrews, who was a draft pick, and we don't have Austin Stidham, who only played like 9 million games <laughs> short. But, but our O-line right now, our twos rolled out last week at our player-led practice, and I was like, dang, this looks like a Division One O-line, kind of. And last year, our twos went out to practice, and I was scared for anybody that lined up in the backfield that was hoping to get blocking done for them. So, I mean, our old line is taking strides, and, you know, that we recruited well there. So, not I didn't want to go without acknowledging their growth because, man, they've, they've had – I'm fired up about the direction that group's well, Coach, I, I appreciate you stopping me and, and talking some O-line. I know we, they never get talked about enough as they should. So, again, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Always enjoy the conversation. Look forward to seeing you down at Media Days. Thank you all. I appreciate your time. You all have a great day. And Kane, I don't know about you, but every time we talk with Coach Summerall, I always come away w- wanting to run through a wall for him. I definitely do. That's, that's the kind of guy who gives you that energy, gives you that excitement about this season, like I mentioned before. And I think that he does the same thing to his players. It's very clear when you watch them play, they're an inspired group. And he's clearly the tip of the spear with that. It's definitely hard not to get excited about Troy football, hitting somebody defense, getting nasty when you're talking to Coach Summerall. Yeah, always a lot of fun. Caden, if you caught it there, I tried to close down that episode. He gave us one of the most complete breakdowns of a roster we've ever gotten. And he, he didn't want to forget the offensive line, so he jumped right in. But, Caden, uh, when you look at this Troy Trojans team, bringing back a lot of pieces from last year, they do lose a lot of pieces as well. Uh, but I, I, I really was pleased to kind of hear his thoughts, and, and I came away feeling better about this team than maybe I thought I would. I definitely did, and it definitely makes me more scared of my South Alabama pick. I think everyone in the conference should be scared to play Troy, and as long as John Summerall's there, they'll continue to be scared scared to play Troy. I think the scariest thing he said was this year's recipe of success might look a little different. I think oftentimes you get coaches who are a little bit attached to their style of play, attached to their style of winning. But the fact that he already has a pulse on this team and understands that, hey, we might have might have to rely on the defense as much as we did last year. We might have to rely on our offense more, spread some things out. The fact that he's already showing a willingness to adapt, plus the culture he's built and still with his players. Very scary team to play, especially at home, especially given what they did last season. I definitely have high expectations for them this year. Hey, Caden, uh, the Troy Trojans, they have beaten South Alabama five consecutive times. So maybe you should be shaking in your boots. I took South Alabama, too. So who am I to talk? As everyone knows, though, Troy finished last season 12-2. and They go 7-1 and in Sunbelt play. They won the conference championship convincingly over Coastal Carolina 45-26. to And then, Caden, You go on and you beat UTSA, the 25th ranked team in the country, in the Cure Bowl to end the year. You end in that AP Top 25. So expectations this year are high once again. They were picked by the media to win the Sunbelt West Division again. Caden, do you have conference championship expectations for this team going into the season? Most definitely you have to. Just given what they did last year and how they were able to do it in Coach Summerall's first season, just being able to replicate that in their second season, given the pieces they lost, I think those expectations are definitely going to be there. They're going to be there as long as they can keep winning games at the clip they did last season to start off the season. I think even last season they had a little bit slower of a start but kind of got their groove after that heartbreaking loss to App State. I think there's going to be maybe some room for error in the beginning of the season if they need to. But once this team gets rolling and gets winning games, I think they will be one of the scariest teams in the conference to play. Kane, you mentioned the offense there, and 
You're on record with saying that this team's offense a season ago was the worst offense to win a Sunbelt championship in a long time, and quite frankly, the stats back that up. Uh, you still have Gunnar Watson on this team. Your running back room might be even better this year with Vidal back. You bring in Asa Martin from Memphis. You've got several big pieces at wide receiver that are gone, but that room, as John Summerall said, is reloaded, expecting to see big-time performances out of some guys in there. Again, the offensive line does have some holes to fill, though, after you lose Stidham and, and Andrews up front. Given all of that, are you expecting to see a step forward from this collective offensive unit this season? I definitely am, and I think it's, first of all, I just don't think they can get any worse, but I think the, a lot of the talk, and this has kind of been a theme, I feel like, for some of these teams, Gunnar Watson maturing, working on his body this offseason, off I think is a huge, great sign for them. Coach Summerall mentioned that he was a guy that almost hit 20 miles per hour on the speed this offseason, not expecting him to be some crazy dual threat. But I think him having more comfort, him having to decrease those interceptions, he had a ton last year only behind Kyle Van Treese in that category. No more Jared Daigie on his heels. He showed great promise in that championship performance. And I think that the offense getting the best of the defense, as Coach Summerall mentioned, to start off the spring is a great sign, especially given how highly we feel about that unit on the defensive side of the ball. You return Vidal after a great season. We love Asa Martin, who I think, compliments Vidal even better than BK, DK Billingsley did last season. He has much more versatility. He can catch the ball. He had more catches by himself last year than DK and Kamani combined. So I think that plus the potential improvement out of Gunnar Watson just makes it overall just as soon as, as soon as the ball's getting snapped to this guy and whatever happens afterwards, I think it's an upside compared to last season, whether he's handing it off or throwing it. So I think it all starts with Gunnar Watson. And I think that can be contagious for this off, offense this season to see a lot of improvement for sure. What do you think about that offensive line, Caden? Yeah, obviously took a step back. You lose Austin Stidham, you lose Jake Andrews alone, which is just not a great sign. You don't love to lose those guys. And that's a unit that had that allowed Gunnar Watson to be the most sacked quarterback in the conference last year, and they have those big losses. So only two starters return. I think you have various promising additions with Taven Matthews and Blake Austin from ETSU and Eli Russ from Oklahoma State. But I am worried about their depth. I am worried about that continuity, especially an offensive line that can play together cohesively is a big key so that's probably the area of this unit overall that i'm probably the most worried about maybe even if you look at the entire team but it's it's their culture you have to just love them up front playing against a good defensive line game in and game out that gives me a little bit of confidence going forward but i do think this is a unit that has some holes to fill and you could be a little bit worried about the continuity and them getting the job done up front this year Hey, staying on the offense, when you look at this team, you lose Tej Johnson. You're without Rajay Johnson, who was Gunnar Watson's favorite target a year ago. Those guys both gone in that wide receiver room. Uh, the offensive line, as we mentioned, you're down a couple of starters. Stidham and Andrews are gone. Caden, are you more concerned about the Trojans' offensive line or their wide receiver room in 2023? And I think based on your last answer, it's probably – offensive line talk about that wide receiver room though because when we talked with coach Summerall it did feel like he was pretty uh high on on that team's expectations this year he definitely was and I think yeah I kind of buried the lead but I think the offensive line is definitely a little bit more concerning because when you look at this wide receiver group what really stands out is really just the health and the versatility if this group can stay healthy they have the ability to throw various different bodies out there you talk about loot I mean Jabray Barber Jabri Barber was a great speedy 510 170-pound slot receiver who can get open, who had some great games before he was hurt last year. He had 200-yard games before his injury, and he's someone that Coach Summerall was speaking highly of. He also spoke highly of Marcus Rogers, who's a complete changeup. He's a 6'4 guy who apparently also has 
some real speed coming off of injuries. If those two guys alone can stay healthy, I think that this unit as a whole is going to be very dynamic. Then you add a guy like Deshaun Stoudemire who can get it done, who proved last season he can get it done in the biggest games, which I think was a key. He played great in the conference championship, played great against Ole Miss, that Western Kentucky game that came down to the wire. But then you have guys like Devontae Ross, who signed from Kentucky, and Chris Lewis as well. That Coach Summerall is familiar with Landon Parker from Wofford. They've also been speaking highly of. He was the guy that Coach Summerall said was making a ton of big plays during the spring ball, so those wild plays. I think when you look at the offensive line versus the wide receiver group for Troy, this is a group that I think maybe it was receiver is going to be harder to get onto the field. It's going to be competitive as far as who's going to get those balls and who's going to get those reps versus offensive line. It looks more like we're going to have to find out who our best guys are quick hope they have the continuity and hope they can stay healthy because their depth just doesn't seem to be quite at the place that Troy's wide receiver room is despite losing the Johnson brothers with Tez and Rajay. Yeah, it, it will be fascinating there. Caden, uh, we're about to do the favorite part of every episode for you, and that's switch to talk about the defensive side of the football. Um, we got to spend a little more time on this defensive front for the Troy Trojans. Uh, we've all heard the names TJ Jackson, Richard Jubinar, uh, Javon Solomon, but Kane, it doesn't stop there. You've got Buddha Jones, who's going to play nose tackle, and there's a number of guys behind him. This was a unit that John Summerall, in the interview that we just talked to him, was he was glowing about. He just said that there's maybe 10 guys here that could see the field this year. Troy had 41 sacks last season and should get close to that number again this year, maybe even bettering it. Caden, how high is the ceiling for this group this fall? Uh, what did Michael Jordan say? The, the ceiling is the roof. I think the ceiling is the roof for this unit. I mean, the given variable is the litany of edge rushers that we've been talking about all offseason, Jubiner, Jackson, Solomon. But I'm really glad that Coach emphasized and confirmed how we kind of felt in the offseason that guys like Buda Jones, A.J. Pierce, Louis Medina, who's a newer name I did not know that, but Coach said was a starting level nose tackle in his eyes. He got injured versus App State. He's had a great offseason as well. I think it's going to be all about can those interior guys set up the defensive ends and the edge rushers of this defensive line for even more success. They're going to get theirs regardless, I think. But if you add pressure in those A-gaps with those big guys, if you have two guys blocking, guys like A.J. Pierce have two guys blocking Buda Jones, that's less guys blocking Juburner. That's less guys blocking Solomon on the outside. Also talked about the versatility of this group. I love that Coach Summerall was talking about moving guys around, having Jubiner on the field at the same time as Solomon and kind of switching the D-end and bandit positions and that versatility. On third down, if it's third and long, I think this unit is going to be very, very scary. You're not going to know who's going to be out there. You're not going to know what kind of stunts and games that they're going to be able to run. I think this unit's going to be absolutely scary next season up front. And I think as we'll keep talking about this defense, it's going to start up front. And I think they're going to make things a lot easier for the guys behind them. So love that they're moving these guys around. Love the positional versatility of this group. And I think they do have the potential to be a top 20, top 15 unit in the entire country. Hey, given everything you just said, I have to imagine there's a lot of Sunbelt quarterbacks that are shaking in their boots when they look at going up against uh, this front portion of the Troy defense. Kane, one area that maybe they're not as concerned about facing this year is at the linebacker position. It is probably one of the biggest question marks for this team when it comes to Troy this year. You lose program legend Carlton Marshall. You lose glue pieces like KJ Robertson at the position. TJ Harris is also gone. Right now, Troy has a couple of underclassmen, Jordan Stringer, Reggie Bracey, in the projected starting lineup uh, at linebacker. Caden, are you as concerned as I am about this unit maybe seeing a drop-off this year? I can tell just like through the through the computer, I can tell your concern. I can feel your concern, No, but I'm here to ease your mind, and I'm not concerned about this unit. On paper, it's definitely concerning. You lose Carlton Marshall, you lose K.J. Robertson. There's no 
reason that anyone should be like, oh, like we're we're fine. We, we, like we didn't lose any good linebackers, right? These are all time players for this program, all time players for the conference. But coach mentioned it. Jordan Stringer and Terry Thomas were guys that were both thrown into the fire that had to play behind Carlton Marshall, saw how this was supposed to get done, saw what the gold standard of the linebacker position in this conference on a championship team had to look like. They saw what that looked like, and they were able to play when Carlton was injured last year. So I think in this case, you have to kind of lean on the culture and trust the culture. I think the defensive culture that's been established by this team, these guys are going to be able to own that. And on top of that, we'll talk about the secondary layer, but they are sandwiched by talent as far as what's in front of them, what's behind them. If they make any mistakes up front, I think it'll be easy for them, the guys that they have up front to run the ball down, make it happen towards not explosive play, vice versa. The guys behind them can have their back as well. You talked about a Reggie Bracey, Bracey and a Chris Rogers who have their names in the conversation for that spear position, but I'm confident in the culture of this defense as a whole. And I think the guys that are going to play this year were on last year's team and whether they played a lot or not, doesn't matter. I think they saw how it's supposed to get done. They saw how the job is supposed to get done and they have talent surrounding them. So I'm really not as worried about this, this position on paper as I probably should be. But at the end of the day, I think this defensive culture has been established and these guys are going to fill those shoes and fill those roles well. Well, let's talk about that back end of the defense, Caden, that you alluded to a moment ago. We can't go through an entire preview without talking about the defensive backs. Reddy Stewart is back. Oshai Fletcher is back. Those two expected to be the cornerback positions. You've got Del Pettis leading the way at free safety. You do lose Craig Slocum, which is a huge loss to this defense, but Keyshawn Swanson is expected to step into that role. Caden, much unlike the linebacker position, I'm not really concerned about this grouping at all. Yeah, very, very confident. And probably what you could argue is the best corner duo returning with Oshai Fletcher and Reddy Stewart. I mean, these are two guys that were absolutely locked down, were huge down the stretch last season. And Del Pettis will likely have to increase his tackle more just because of the presence in the box with inexperienced linebackers and losing a guy like Craig Slocum, who had a ton of tackles last year. But we've speaking highly, spoken highly about Del Pettis on this podcast, the top five defensive back, or top 10 defensive back, sorry, heading into the season, a guy who's very experienced, has all-conference type talent. And I'm not worried about Swanson either. This is a guy who had to earn a scholarship on this team as a redshirt freshman who transferred in, or I don't know if he transferred in, or I don't call me that or not, but I think that he's a guy who was a captain week one. This is a team that, rotates their captains but week one against Ole Miss this is a guy that was a captain despite being a reserve safety despite not starting games for this team last year I think they'll benefit as a whole this entire unit no matter who's in they'll benefit from that pass rush I think out of all of the teams in the conference quarterbacks will probably have to throw the ball quicker versus this team than anyone else so these guys will benefit from those tight windows I think and if they can play tight coverage like they did last season combined with the guys they have roaming on that front seven wreaking havoc High hopes for the secondary, not worried about them at all. Really excited for them actually to maybe even improve more compared to how they did last season. Wow, an improved defense for the Troy Trojans. That will certainly be the headline coming out of this episode. Caden, lastly, special teams. We don't talk about them a lot on this podcast, but Troy took a big leap forward in that department a year ago. They were a top 50 unit last year. You're losing Brooks Buse, who was 17 of 19 from field goals last year. You also lose your punter, Mike Rivers, who had a 42-yard per punt average last season. Last year, this unit was a strength. This year, though, Caden, when you lose those pieces, it's going to be hard to repeat that. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying John Summerall's quote. This year's recipe for success might look a little bit different. Last year's recipe of success relied on the special teams a lot. This is a team that kind of struggled to score once they passed the 50-yard line and got in the red zone. Brooks Buse was huge for this team. He scored a lot of 
field goals and extra points for this team that were extremely clutch and they needed him last year. Kind of the same with the defense being the strength of this team. When the defense is the strength of your team, field position matters a ton. This is a team that was able to stop teams on their side of the field as a result, get the offense back the ball on a shorter field and vice versa. If you're an offense that can move and had some struggles, maybe last season as well, you need a punter that can flip the field for you. So I think this is a team that's going to have hard. It's going to be hard to replace the production that they had last season. They were absolutely solid and championship teams usually have that solid level of consistency at special teams. The question is going to be given all the other variables of this team, are they going to have to rely on their special teams as much as they did last season? I would kind of bet against no, just because of all the different changes that changes that we're hearing on both sides of the ball. But I do think hard shoes to follow, but I don't think they have to fill them or follow them at the level they probably did last season, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, Caden. Well, let's talk some schedule. Troy has an extremely difficult first four weeks of the season. You're going to Kansas State, who lost to number three TCU in the Big 12 title game a year ago in week two. Then you get James Madison at home, a game that's going to be on national television on NFL Network in week three. And then Caden, Western Kentucky, I know you still have nightmares uh, about that roster. They've got a couple of uh, NFL draft picks there with Malachi Corley and uh, Austin Reed. Uh, we all know about them. That's in week four. Caden, the over-under, according to Las Vegas, on this Troy team is eight wins this year. Uh, you should be able to make some noise in September and October. You play four straight teams who had losing records a season ago. But then you've got South Alabama, a team that you've beaten five straight times at home to open November. And Caden, I'm looking at that game on the schedule saying, man, much like last year, that could decide the fate of the Sun Belt West. You end the year with Louisiana and Southern Miss on the road. Uh, Caden, just knowing what we know, I see six wins right off the bat here. So Troy's going back to a bowl game. You probably want to go two and one against that grouping of K-State, JMU, and Western Kentucky to begin the year. Then you need to go at least two and one against South Alabama and Southern Miss, as well as Louisiana in November to get to 10 wins. Based on all of that, Caden, I do think Troy can hit the over this year. I think they can too. And I think a big part in talking point when we do these previews is going to be the order of the schedule. I think the order of their schedule is phenomenal. When you look at this Troy team, they're a momentum-based team. Once they get rolling and get winning games, they're very hard to beat. And I think when you look at the first four games of the season, look, would you want to see Troy win all the first four games of their season? Absolutely. But the key is that they don't really have to. I think when you have to play these non-conference games, plus playing a James Madison team from across the conference that you don't necessarily have to beat to get into the conference championship game, I think that makes this team very dangerous. I think this team, you could look at it and say, hey, they can go 0-4 and still handle business the rest of their schedule and make it. If I'm a player, personally, I liked all of our non-conference games kind of at the top. So you can flip that switch and kind of get into that mode of, okay, now we're playing in must-win game mode. And they have some weeks to kind of figure out some of the nuances of both sides of the ball. So I think very realistic to say this team's going to get to a bowl game easily. And I think they have championship aspirations. And when you look at their schedule, it is going to probably come down to that game on November 2nd on a Thursday at home where they host South Alabama. It's hard not to have that one circled, just given the balance of this side of the conference. But no, this team, based on their style of winning and what they showed last season, they won a ton of tough games in the month of November, in the month of October. I'd be scared to play this team any month of the year personally, but the fact that they maybe have some leeway to work with as well in the month of September makes them, I think, very, very scary once the conference schedule gets rolling. Hey, September 2nd, just over a month away, they'll host Stephen F. Austin to open the 2023 season. The Troy Trojans looking to defend their Sunbelt Conference Championship in 2023. Well, that'll do it for our Troy preview on the Prairie and Smith podcast. Big shout out to Troy head coach John Summerall, as well as associate AD Adam Prendergast 
for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast on Wednesday, our season preview series. It's going to roll into Conway, South Carolina, as we welcome Coastal Carolina head coach Tim Beck to talk about the Shauna Clears upcoming season. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us and the show out. It's all downhill now to the start of the Sunbelt football season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.